Hi, my name is T.Y. You're welcome on Club Bant and Rant. How was your international break? I hope it was as eventful as mine was. <laughs> did you miss me? Because I missed you guys a whole lot. So did you miss me? While I was gone, did anybody try to eclipse me? Gist me? Not them, them be gone in about 60s. But not M, M is one for all history. <laughs> don't remind me, I just remember when I used to be a rapper. That was, those were lines from uh, Hennessy Cypher. Those were MI lines from the Hennessy Cypher. And uh, which brings us to the topic of discussion for today. We want to try and decipher the problem with Manchester United. Because yes, you know, we, we, we won the game, yeah, which is usually the most important thing um, above everything else. But the playing style, we still do not clearly have a way of playing and it's sad because this is already say like the seventh episode we've done for the podcast and on every single episode we've raised these complaints about the way that we play about not being not being able to enforce um, a particular style of play and it continues to be a concern even after we they play the worst, the most in the, the worst informed team in the league at the moment, which is Sheffield United. The same team that Newcastle blew eight past. West Ham came and did their own. I, I already knew from time that with Manchester United you can't really expect too much, but I, I still felt like we, we should have dominated that game. I saw a post somewhere, um, one of all these um, football Twitter accounts, and he put up this publication and said that he wasn't going to take a particular pinned tweet down until Manchester United win a game by three goals margin. And when I saw that tweet, the first thing that came to my mind is that this guy clearly wants to leave that tweet there for the rest of the season because to be honest, the way we play right now, I don't see who we can win by three goals margin. I'm not saying it cannot happen, but except we'll just probably just go and have a good game, just have a good game like the one we had against Chelsea at the end of last season or the one against Leicester um, like two to three games to the end of last season. That Otherwise, I don't even think it's realistic to be expecting because when you watch the way that we play, it is still... I was watching the game from the get-go and I, I really, you know, I'm particular about how we play, how we enforce play. So I was watching closely and I noticed that earlier in the game, as usual, we try to play and build from the back. So when Onana gets the goal kick and then he plays a short pass into his centre-back, Maguire would make a short pass to uh, Dalo. I assume, because a lot of time I, I, I see Dalo try to make these runs, I assume that the, play, the, um, the, the pattern was supposed to be for Dalo to make, you know, an incise pass into the uh, final third. We really struggle a lot. A lot of times you see the back pass from Maguire to Dalo and it goes the back pass back to Maguire. And then even when Dalo usually tries to force the play and, you know, tries to send the pass into the final third, bro, nine out of ten times we lost the ball in that attempt of transition. So for a large part of the first half, bro, we didn't even really have a playing style against Sheffield United. So, eventually, it was the usual Manchester United story. At the end of the day, an individual brilliance. The Wahala where we face since last season. It is still an issue. We are relying heavily on uh, individual brilliance from players to get results. 
and it, it is not feasible because football is a team sport. It is a team sport. It, uh, at this point now, I, I am infuriated. I, I see at the vex. Make nobody even come tell me say this one, that one. Because later on in eh, all these episodes, you guys will see the reasons why my head won't blow. My head won't blow. My head won't blow. My head won't blow. Everybody. So when you guys tell me that um, body requires too much time, I hope you they see Angie poster color for the same Premier League. You not require too much time. Thomas Frank did not require too much time. Roberto de Sabi, where me and my guys with the call Roberto over Sabi, did not require too many, too many, too much time to start getting results. But when it concerns the greatest football club in the history, in the country where football originated, we won't give them time. Fine and good. Make we they give them time and we'll be seeing. And, and the, you know, let me put this disclaimer first of all. Because when you hear the way I speak on um, this episode, you get the notion that I am pro um, Eric Ten Hag, which is um, a wrong impression. Because... From the onset, I always wanted him, even while he was still at Ajax. He's clearly a good manager. We can all see how Ajax are struggling without him. At the moment, they sit bottom. Ajax Amsterdam sits bottom of the Netherlands League. So he's clearly, um, he's clearly a really important manager. But all I am saying is that Especially in the area of man management, he still has a lot of work to do. We've seen how Richarlison has struggled right from when they buy him. If I'm not making any mistake, I think he currently has one league goal after months and months of trying. And eventually, when he scored that goal, if you remember the game, I think it was the game against Sheffield where they came to win by 2 1 in the dying minute. I saw the captain's son, you know, son was nudging him and was pushing him towards the crowd and, you know, he was uh, inciting the crowd to support. And when I saw that whole scenario, in my mind, I was like, yes, these guys know what they are doing. The importance for you to lift players up. And then we saw another incident in uh, Kai Havertz the other day against Bournemouth. He's been struggling with his goal form for a while now. And they got a penalty. And you know, Harvard is not Harvard is pretty much like third or fourth, if not even fifth, on the pecking order of Arsenal penalty kickers. Because of course, there's Saka, there's Odegaard, who are clearly above him in the pecking order. But you saw a scenario where they let him take the penalty. And after he eventually scored, you see. Just like the scenario with uh, Richarlison, everybody, the whole players, everybody coming to tap his head and there's some support. And I'll give you one more instance just before we move on. Cole Palmer, a teenager that was brought in from Manchester City into a team like Chelsea. They already have an established penalty taker. And the funny thing is, he has been delivering. But you see that now, as I speak with you, Cole Palmer currently is Chelsea's penalty taker. 
And I assume that the reason for that is to try and build his confidence because, of course, the coach has decided that they want to use him. He wants to. He wants him involved in his first team plans. And then you see the measures that players and coaches, backroom staffs are putting into supporting players. I know we are not with them in the dressing room. We are not with them in the training session, so we can't really know everything. But still, the issues with Sancho is pathetic. I've avoided speaking about these issues because usually we like to um, we like to see the club put out a statement before we also make our own statements. And uh, the um, pre-press interview before the Champions League game, you know, we're listening to the coach and he was talking about the availability of players. And uh, I think it was an, it was a problem with his accent because he did say Sergio, Sergio, that's Sergio Regulion. But at the moment, I and a lot of people thought he said Sancho. Do you guys know that Manchester United came back later in the evening and put up a statement that that would, that would... I mean, so when they come and put out a statement that, oh, yeah, we made a mistake. Sorry, we don't want you guys to get a wrong impression. The coach was trying to say Sergio. What does that tell you? It tells you that there's almost no future again for Sancho. This is only a year and a few months into the job. And you have already discarded so many important players. Again, I would say this. I do not have a problem with the, with, with the coach's means. But you know, like the popular line we all grew up with, the end should justify the means. If you're throwing all these tantrums and doing all these things, and you're getting the results and accumulating points on the pitch, a lot of us would not have a problem with it. But when you pursue Idolu, you pursue Ororo Cristiano, and when you pursue him, you go and bring in a Wegost. You bring in Wegost. Because you brought him in and you are trying to ensure that he, he, he performs, you play him game in, game out. And in the end of the, at the end of the day, we all saw that, with all due respect, Wegost's deal was a colossal failure. And these are the issues that I want to center on. If you cannot get results, then your means should be questioned. Which is only what we are trying to do. Because at the end of the day, we all want to see our team return back to the glory days. I mean, it's sad. Everybody where followers did the banter era, they have all left us. Barcelona, Liverpool, Chelsea. Name them. Everybody is starting to gather momentum and pick up points. And we are the only team, you know, amongst the big teams in the Premier League that at the moment still seem like we don't have a clue yet what we are doing. Whatever is the case, we'll come back and touch on that just before we leave. But, you know, we still need to move on and talk about... Um, other stories uh, emanating from the Premier League, especially. And uh, we saw some sort of super Saturday. You know, um, pretty much everybody had to play because there's, there's, a, um, U, there's a UEFA in this midweek. And so on Saturday, we saw a whooping amount of games. We saw a whole lot of goals. I think if I'm not wrong, only Liverpool, which was the early kickoff for that day, ended with less than... Three goals in that match. So I'm sure it was a really exciting football for fans and casuals alike. 
And so on Saturday, we saw the Premier League open with an early kickoff at Anfield, the Merseyside derby. Liverpool went on to win by two goals to nil in that one and have continued their flying start to the season. Uh, the way the game really started, you know, when you if you if you're familiar with Sean Daichi's tactics, you know how he sets up already. Four, four, one, one, plays low block, packs the boss like no other. So in in it, it was really hard for um, Liverpool to uh, penetrate early on in that game. And, you know, they kept trying and trying. And in the 17th minute, I remember Ashley Young getting the yellow card. And my first reaction was, oh, no. You don't want to get the yellow card in the first 20 minutes playing on Salah's wing. Because it's not rocket science. They are going to capitalize on it and they will make you pay. And it was exactly the case. Only 15 minutes later, on the 30th minute mark, Ashley Young considered the foul just at the edge of the box. And he was carded for simulation. He got a second yellow card in the first half. And, you know, at that point, the game completely switched for Everton. They no longer were able to transition like they wanted to. They had to play low block for the most part of the game. You know, and eventually, uh, Salah got a penalty. They, they, they got a first penalty shout in the first half, but, you know, it was... Um, ruled out or he wasn't given as a matter of fact after Vacek and uh, he, he went on that way for a moment it was looking like Everton were going to hold their own but yes they did break the deadlock Liverpool did break the deadlock in the 75th minute with the most Salah penalty and he has continued to uh, he's, he's continued to impress at 31 in the Premier League and he's, he's continued to do all this. Which reminds me, um, over the international break, one of the topics that was up for discussion was, um, you know, the comparison between... Because uh, like I said, for us football fans, the only thing that is more important than banter is agenda. So I felt like it was just agenda. Because um, Edin Hazard retired over the international break and it was really emotional for a player that's given us so much in the game. And, you know, players and fans and um, stakeholders, everybody came out and they were throwing support from him. And as usual, the fans decided to bring an agenda. Who is better? Or who has impacted more? And, you know, throughout the international break, it was chaos and it was order and order. But regardless of who, had, who has had more longevity, I feel like Salah should be studied putting this performance week in, week out at this age. You know, it, it, it just goes to tell you about his quality. And yes, he went on to score the penalty and also got a late goal just pretty much around the last kick of the game where Darwin Nunes scored a very amazing pass, a true ball to Salah. And then he went on to score two goals. And so Liverpool won by two um, goals to zero. And as at that moment, they went up top, you know, pending the other games that were going to come on later. And uh, we also saw Wolves. Wolves Wolves have had some sort of bounce since they did win Manchester City. And they've continued to do well. And uh, Yeah, they did win uh, Bonnemouth by one goes to two away from home. And it was a really important win. Uh, Brentford, who have struggled uh, lately 
last weekend saw them lost really late to Manchester United and it was important to see how they were going to bounce back, especially against a team, you know, that have managed to take very few points away from home. And yes, they did bounce back emphatically. They won Burnley by three goals to nil. Mbwemo also. It's important to note that Mbwemo finally got on the score sheet after a long time blanking. Manchester City, who lost two Premier League games for the for um, only the second time, yeah, under Pep Guardiola, were in desperate and dying need of a win. And uh, even though they had a very dicey game against Brighton and Hove Albion, uh, they eventually won by two goals to one. Uh, Doku. Doku was a honorable mention in that game. He was really impressive. And really, talking about Doku, there's something about Doku that really funnies me. It's like, Doku seems to have like three moves max. You know how a player has only three moves? But it's funny how every time he makes those moves, 90% of the time he is usually successful. So it's usually a case of you know what I'm going to do, but you cannot stop it. And Doku was fantastic in that game. He went on to give the um, he wanted to get the first assist uh, that was converted by Julian Alvarez, which, like I would always say, is Manchester City best player at the moment, in my opinion. And uh, Erling Haaland, who you know, the thing with players like Haaland is that they're not struggling per se, but because we were so used to it, it, it just reminds me of, uh, you know, the peak prime years between uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Mercy in La Liga. I remember vividly that era when um, you watch a Baka game, for instance, and Mercy nets a hat trick. And you're just so certain that Cristiano's game, maybe later on that day or the next day, is also going to produce another hat trick. And then it goes on to be that way. You know, it just shows you the kind of mentality that those players um, had over the span of years. And uh, for players like Haaland, like I was saying, uh, you, you, you tend to feel like they don't perform too well when they score one goals because you're already used to seeing them banging hard tricks and braces week in, week out. And uh, it, it was the case from him because he, his his... I don't want to say goal drawable by his standards. You know, the goals have not been flowing like he would like or as much as they did last season. And even though it's excusable because we can see um, how much the absence of Kevin De Bruyne has, has impacted Manchester City. And even though it's understandable as fans would always still agenda. And, and and so it was important for him to get that goal and not just getting the goal, the manner with which he did score that goal. Usually we know um, Haaland to be a poacher, hangs around in the middle of the 18-yard box, get touches, get chances and takes them. But in that case, he got the ball just outside on the edge of the box, made a really good run and saw that space and shot with a powerful shot and eventually went on to score the second goal that eventually went on to be the winner. You know, because Brighton got won really late on by Ansu Fati. And so, yes, Manchester City won by two goals to one. And also, as at the time of that result, they did go top, pending the rest of the games. Uh, Newcastle United. <laughs> Newcastle. Newcastle, um, they are one of those teams that, as a casual, you really like them. But for... um. 
for a fan of a club, say for instance, a Chelsea, Manchester United, Arsenal, I don't think you'd like them so much because you know they came from. I don't want to say they came from nowhere, but when you see a team that were at the verge of relegation, bro, I mean at the very verge of relegation, they bring in a manager. He he makes a couple of transfers, brings in players from the academy, because this guy did start Anderson when he wants to. This guy they play Amiron when he wants to. This guy they cook with Murphy. A lot of you under the sound of this voice don't even know Murphy yet. Eddie Howe they cook with these players, and he has completely changed the lives of Newcastle fans. Howie the lads. Now, Newcastle, at the moment, as it stands, I don't see the possibility from them not achieving the top four spot. Or may I say the top five spot in the Premier League this season. That's how good and that's how turned around the life of Newcastle United has been since the inception of Eddie Howe. And then moving on, uh, the only, okay, we saw a draw um, later on that day. Uh, Nottingham Forest went on to draw Luton Town, two goals to two, and uh, for a moment it seemed like Newcastle, um, seemed like Nottingham Forest were going to run about, uh, run with the win. Went on to score two goals, and it didn't seem like Luton were going to get anything out of it. But eventually, um, two late goals from Adebayo and Ogbene uh, went on to see um, Luton draw by two goals to two um, at, at full time. And it was a really important win for them, especially where they are this season. Because, you know, if you look at the table, you see that um, with the exception of Sheffield United, who seems to have already cemented their fate, you know, because statistically, it is practically impossible to escape relegation from the points with which they are now in. And uh, everybody else still tries to scamper around and get points and see what they can do for themselves. So it was really important to see Luton Town get a point from going two goals down. It was really important. And talking about two goals down brings us to the biggest game for that day at the Stamford Bridge. Chelsea against Arsenal. 2-2 full-time score. But I tell you, the scores do not do justice to that game. The scores do not tell you anything about how that game did went. Because, you know, for Arsenal fans, I think they will be grateful. You know, they've extended their unbeaten run into the start of the new season. Uh, They managed to salvage a point um, in a game where they played the worst that I have seen Arsenal play. You know, which is why I still insist and I think that they will win the league this season. Because when you see scenarios where um, teams come and have an awful game, you know, at such a big game and um, in such a stadium like the Stamford Bridge against a team with so much history like Chelsea. And uh, not taking anything away from Chelsea, big ups to Chelsea. They played really well. They set up nicely. Um, Arsenal could not really uh, penetrate their midfield and the defense early into that game and uh, up until Declan Rice's goal, Arsenal were yet to register a shot on target. Just goes to show you how well Chelsea um, really set up. But then again, it, 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 it also emphasizes on the subject with which we have been talking about. 
you know, the importance for why you need to keep your head in the game and maintain focus. I don't see a reason why. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It happens all the time. But, but the circumstances with which they're scored from, I mean, for a moment, it seemed like Arsenal didn't have a way out. Up until um, right, um, Sanchez's mistake, you know, the mistake that allowed Declan Rice to bend it like Beckham. I see quotes everywhere say bend it like Declan. I just laugh because we know that the only one that where they bend down, not Beckham. But yeah, fantastic goal from 38 yards out. Amazing goal there. Because a lot of people just emphasize on the um, on, uh, on the mistake, but they fail to understand that it was a really difficult goal. Especially when you consider the way that Declan Rice kicked that ball. In the end, it was a fantastic goal and it got them into that game. And then eventually they went on to score the equalizer by um, Leon Trossard. And they went on to draw that game. And like I said, they've continued uh, an unbeaten start to their season. And they're keeping momentum. And so uh, it was a really intriguing game. And he ended 2-2 at Stamford Bridge for um, both parties. Chelsea, on the other hand, I, I, I think they should, you know, they would want to keep their heads high. They want to feel like, yes, um, we are at a good point now into the season, especially with the way we started. We've, um, it seemed like we're exhilarating now. We're starting to get points. And I feel like Chelsea now, um, they should feel good about the Arsenal game, especially because I think it gives them a blueprint per se for how they want to see their seasons going forward. So I feel like, you know, they have a lot to be excited for and uh, they have a lot to look forward to as well. And uh, for uh, the last game for that day, uh, Manchester United went on to win Sheffield United by one goal to Max Domine. <laughs> I told you guys, but you guys don't want to believe me. I told you. In the words of, you'll learn. You're going to learn the hard way. Mark Tomine, uh, he got a surprise start. I wouldn't say surprise start per se because uh, he was expected, you know, coming off the bench last weekend to secure us a win uh, under the condition that he did. Um, you know, and then uh, going to the international break where he got a goal disallowed and it was generally impactful for his country. And especially with um, Casemiro, who has struggled with form lately, and I think also Narcis Enoch has an injury from international break. Uh, it was clear to, it, it was evidently clear that he was gonna he was gonna be given a chance, you know, because I think uh, Eric Ten Hag has already given up hope on Ericsson. What I mean by giving up hope on Ericsson is is already clear that he cannot really run minutes. You only bring him in to you know assist with chances created but overall when you need a player to contest for every ball to run around the pitch and give you 100 i don't think um player with a pacemaker in his heart um should be doing that so i think it's safe to play him the way that he's been playing him and uh for a moment like i said earlier we didn't we don't really we didn't really have a playing pattern we still don't have a playing pattern and we struggled a lot uh but, you know, eventually um, Bruno Fernandes sending a cross to McTominay and uh, sending a pass, I beg your pardon, to McTominay and, and he chested the ball and shot a goal. Gave us the lead, which was a good thing. But guys, this is, we're already several weeks into the new season and there's still the same complaints. Brothers, sisters, guys, we have conceded, 
within the first five minutes of scoring in pretty much all of the matches that we have played in this season. I implore you to take out your score apps and check for yourself. Every single game that we have scored a goal, we've we've, we've proceeded to concede another goal within the first five minutes of that goal, which you would agree with me is a big problem and a grave cause for concern. But like I said, we can only hope and we can only continue to keep speaking about these things in the hope that somehow our club will hear our voice and they'll make respective corrections. But until then, we'll continue to cheer, we'll continue to hope and we'll continue to believe. And so with all of those games on Saturday, there was only two matches left for the game week to be concluded. And on Sunday, we saw Aston Villa completely annihilate West Ham. And you see, the reason for which I'm emphasizing like this is because West Ham are a really good side. They've been a really good side under David Moyes, especially in this new season. And you know, when you consider that prior to that game, Aston Villa had not won a game against West Ham for a long time. Yes, Aston Villa had not managed to win a game against West Ham for as long as I can remember. Which also brings me to another important point that I want guys I want to point out to you guys. Aston Villa currently sits top of the Premier League table for 2023. Meaning that if you if we were doing the table for only 2023, Aston Villa would be sitting top of that table right now. That's not all. They've gone on to win 11 straight games at home. Yes, Aston Villa have gone on to win 11 straight games at home. To be honest, they are really flying. They are flying under Unai Emery. And, and, and it's just really exciting. Uh, Watkins. Watkins is in the moment. He's at the form of his life right now. And he, he, he doesn't seem to stop scoring. Uh, went on to assist Douglas Lewis early on in that game. And, uh, you know, eventually got his own goal later on in the second half. And I tell you, it was a fantastic goal. And moving on from the results for a moment look i was watching the game and i swear to you guys aston villa play really beautiful football i was watching watkins a lot of time and his movement off the ball bro his first touches they are impeccable He's so confident in himself and he's so good. You needed to see the goal. I mean, I'm sure the keeper was just flabbergasted. The keeper was confused for a moment because in his mind, I'm sure he's wondering, how did that guy see that space for goodness sake? I'm talking about a striker that plays with pretty much both feet. He scores on his right and his left. He assists. You know, it's not like the regular strikers that other than their goals, they don't really offer much. This guy assists. This guy wins tackles bro Watkins is just really amazing and it's no it's no shock that you know he got uh an England call up at the international break as well and uh it, it, it just goes to show the kind of work that he's been putting into um his business and how much support and how much um effect also that Unai Emery has had 
since his coming. And you know, just the other day when they defeated Brighton by six goals to one at home, I spoke about how I felt like um, Aston Villa were going to be a problem for a lot of teams this season, especially at home. And they've continued in that form, going on to win West Ham by four goals to one really was an amazing result and for the last game of that game week on monday you know um the thing about this game before i speak about it is uh you know we we uh, we were already at the studio and we, we were ready to record the episode for this week episode and then we remembered that um tottenham had not played the game and in that moment when we're trying to think should we should we still you know go ahead and record so we can put out the episode early and all that it dawned on us that we cannot we can't even afford to ignore or neglect new um, tottenham hospital at the moment because they are very much in the conversation guys you know initially how a team has a good patch and as a casual or a rival fan you'd be like no it's just tottenham elephant on top of the league they go fall down when time reach and i'm not saying they won't all i'm saying is it's high time for us to start paying attention to Tottenham. Angie Postacolo, he has completely changed the life of Tottenham fans. And they are flying high at the moment. Bro, I was watching the game against Fulham. First of all, Fulham is a really incredible side. The way that they've played since they came from the championship last season. You know, coming from the Champions League, which they won. And they won by a whooping amount of goal difference, by a fantastic, they had fantastic performance by a mile. They have built upon that momentum and over the last season and this one, they've played really well. I feel like they're one of those teams that when you're playing against them, you really need to keep concentration high. And we saw it even in the Tottenham game because early on, they had some chances. You know, they scared Tottenham a bit in, the, in, uh, in, in, in like the first 10 minutes of that game. But... Other than that, uh, Tottenham completely dominated that game. I mean, they play so well and it is scary how good they play. A Tottenham side that we all felt like they were going to struggle with the absence of Hurricane. At the moment, they've constantly, constantly and constantly proven us wrong. It's a ninth game into the season and Tottenham Hotspur sits first on the log as I speak with you. They've also, like Arsenal, succeeded in maintaining an unbeaten start so far into the season. Big ups to Big Ange. To be honest, eh, at this point, there's nothing else we can say. Big ups to you. I mean, managers that come into new clubs, especially with the circumstance like him, the one he came, you know, coming into a club that has just sold... Their biggest export in years and uh i'm sure a lot of eyes were on him he did a really good job at celtic i think if i'm not wrong uh he had the best record among celtics manager went on to win so many games at home i think he didn't even lost at home in and if if he did i'm sure it was just um one or two but uh just goes to show how good he's been and like i said to be honest tottenham currently are quite scary Whatever happens in the account, whatever happens as the season progresses, you know, we'll always be here to give you guys all the updates and all the hot gist. But at the moment, like I said, Tottenham sits top of the Premier League standings as at the end 
of game week nine. And so it was a fascinating week. Uh, some of us did not get the result that we would have liked, but we did get a win. Um, some teams also did not get a win or even a point. But, you know, like I said, the season is really still young and there's still so much to fight for. A lot of the assumptions that we make, you know, is based off on experience. But the thing is, it may not exactly always end like that. But, um, you know, it's still a topic for discussion and uh, it's still a topic for conversation, which is why we like to talk to you guys um, about this subject. Uh, before we move on to other um, topics for discussion, uh, we just want to pay special respect to Sir Bobby Charlton. A Manchester United and England legend. For some of us, we never even watch him play because they never even born our grandfather when he was playing football. But you know, we've grown up and we've come to um, see his name sung around the club. And then when you try to find out the reason why, you tend to see why he is arguably uh, England's greatest player ever. You know, went on to win uh, the World Cup. In '96, went on to win the Ballon d'Or. Uh, a lot of you also don't know that Sir Bobby Charlton was amongst the plane survivors for the disastrous Munich clash, the one that saw Manchester United plane crash. And he was part of the, um, the players that rebuilded the club. And so you can see why, um, since his death on Saturday morning, on Sunday, today, and even throughout the week, you see a lot of stakeholders and football bodies coming to pay respect and pay homage for what he has done in this game. He is an epitome of success, really. He is, um, he is an idol, worthy of emulation. Uh, he is a living testimony to the, um, to, uh, the uh, you know, the... Uh, how do I say this? Um, I want to say he's like a living testimony to how a Manchester United player is expected to play. The, the um, sacrifices and the way you are expected to fight for the club every time you wear that badge. And, and it's just really sad. We're sending love. We're sending condolences to his family, his wife especially. Uh, we hope that you find the courage to bear this irrefutable loss. And yes... Touching on other stories from uh, other leagues as well. Barcelona. I've never seen the club in my life. Every time they face the smallest challenge. Every time Barcelona faces the smallest difficulty. La Masia. They don't get any small challenge. They don't go open La Masia gates. Bringing one prodigy from there where we come the cook. Because I don't understand how... Bro... They were having such a difficult game against Bilbao. Over the years, the game with Bilbao, usually they always be that way. You know, always tight and Baka always, you know, find a way to just get the win eventually. But Omo, in this case, it felt like the win was not forthcoming. They kept trying and trying and trying and trying. And from nowhere, you know how you go try everything, you know, work. 88 minutes. Barcelona go bring in Magui. I hope I pronounced that correctly. They bring in Magui 88 minutes in first touch na goal. I just sit down and say, God, what thing be this? 17 year old. We never fit finish with the Lamil 
Lami Yama, where we don't use now, they cook. They brought another one. No, but jokes aside, uh, it, it it just goes to show you why, you know, we spoke about this also in earlier episodes, about how football now don't evolve. And because there's no time in terms of, say, um, clubs now don't really have the um, benefits and the advantage of time to give a lot of players. I said that we would be seeing... We are now at, the, at an era where we would see lesser and lesser players come from the academies to excel in clubs. But Barcelona have been an exception. They've constantly brought youth players from the um, academy and they've managed to get results out of these players. So big up to them. They continue their flying start to the season. That win saw them move up spots on the table and they currently sit sec. They currently sit third, I beg your pardon. One point behind Real Madrid and Hirona on 25. And, uh, you know, that continues to be an issue. Uh, Real Madrid in the game against Sevilla went on to draw by 1-1. But uh, sadly, uh, we still had issues with racism. I mean, it's 2023 and we still have these issues. And it's really sad. There's no room for racism in the game. The color of your skin should not be a problem as long as you perform, as long as you put in your beats. And it's sad that this continues to be an issue in La Liga, especially. And we hope we're calling on everybody and all the stakeholders that they can help and make this thing an issue of the past. And uh, moving on to other leagues uh, in La Liga, uh, I beg your pardon, in Syria, ah, Inter Milan continue with a flying start into the season. And like I said, I do not see any team being able to catch up with them, especially when you consider that all the other teams that usually um, would be able to catch up with them at the moment seem to have uh, a fluctuation in form. You can't really be sure about what to expect with Juventus, AC Milan, and even though Napoli are starting to find their ground again, uh, I don't see a scenario where, uh, you know... other than Juventus, I don't think any other Italian league over the years has been able to win uh, the league in consecutive seasons, which is why I think that um, Inter Milan would uh, get this one. And so we saw a lot of games over the weekend. And like I said, guys, I really missed you during the international break. And I'm glad to be here with you again. For this midweek, there's a lot of games to uh, be excited and look forward to. UEFA Champions League resumes today. And yes, we get a chance to watch our club play in the Champions League. For me, as a United fan, I'm hoping to see that we beat Copenhagen. But mind you, especially if you need to put them in an accumulation, don't be too sure about Manchester United. Not because of where we are at the moment, but because Copenhagen are a really decent side. I saw how they managed to regroup and keep their heads uh, the game, the last game week uh, against uh, Bayern Munich, which is why I'm saying that we should not be complacent. We cannot afford to not keep 100% concentration, especially because we've gone on to lose two games. So we currently sit last on the group with zero points from a possible six. This win is important. Our lives and our survival in the Champions League depends on this win, which is why I think that we need to do whatever is necessary to get the win against Copenhagen. Whatever is the case, 
would be here always as always as always as always to keep you guys informed and give you all the gist as they are happening hot hot <laughs> thank you and uh you know that's all of the stories that we have for uh, this week and uh we hope you enjoy your time with us and yes except your first time listener you already know by now that on every episode we come here and we give a shout out to a top performing member in our fantasy group if you didn't know we have a fantasy premier league group where we play for fun and for banter and uh, every week we try to give a shout out to the top performer as a means to encourage you and so for this week drum roll our top performer for this week is Mechi Mark Cobra. Yes. Mechi Mark Cobra. He uh, he manages uh, Bad Guy. That's the name of his team, Bad Guy. And he went on to score a whooping 84 points. As at the time of this report, he went on to score 84 points. And uh, that pulled him up. And he currently sits top. He currently sits on the third spot in the La Familia League table at the moment. Whatever happens for the rest of your season, bro, I wish you all the best. And like always, I hope you finish second next to me. (laughs) But thank you guys for hanging with us. I'll catch you next week. Bye.